Welcome to Your Personnel File, a podcast at Army Human Resources Command. Your Personnel File explores the programs, policies, and initiatives designed to serve you, the soldier, veteran, and family member. Now, let's join our host, Master Sergeant Glenn Riddell, and find out what's inside Your Personnel File at HRC. Hello, everyone. I'm Master Sergeant Glenn Riddell, and on this edition of Your Personnel File, we're talking about Human Resources Command's Reserve Personnel Management Directorate and what RPMD does to support commanders and soldiers across the Army. RPMD provides a broad variety of personnel actions to the Army Reserve enlisted soldiers and officers to include the Individual Ready Reserve, Individual Mobilization Augmentation, Troop Program Unit, Active Guard Reserve, and Gray Area Retirees. Now let's find out what HRC RPMD can do for you. With me today in the studio is Brigadier General Chris Bellinger, the HRC Deputy Commanding General and the Director of RPMD, and her SAR Major, SAR Major Stuart Coop, the Director of SAR Major of RPMD. Ma'am, SAR Major, welcome. And uh, before we get started, uh, ma'am, if you don't mind going first, and we'll turn it over to SAR Major Coop. Tell the uh, audience a little bit about yourself and uh, uh, what your role here is at HRC. Okay, I would love to. All right, so I'm Brigadier General Chris Bellinger, as Master Rydell said. I've been in the military for 31 years now, started my career active component for the first five years, and then transitioned into the Army Reserve as a traditional TPU soldier. And I am here as of June 1st of 2020 as the Deputy Commanding General as in an IMA position on ADOS. So I took a leave of absence from my civilian job to be here over the last year, and it has been an incredible experience. And thanks for the opportunity to talk to you today. No, thank you, ma'am. And Sergeant Major, how about yourself? Well, good morning, and thanks for having us. Uh, like Master and Riddell said, I'm Sergeant Major Stuart Coop. I'm the Director at Sergeant Major for Reserve Personnel Management. Uh, much like General Bellinger, I have been, on, uh, been in the Army for 31 years as well. Uh, I've served in all three components of the Army, uh, the regular Army first, later the National Guard, and finally, uh, the Army Reserve, and I've been on active duty for 26 years of the 31 years I've been in service. Wow, so, so ma'am, Sergeant Major, a ton of experience, you know, 30 plus years for both of y'all, and uh, I'm excited to get to talk to you guys about what is uh, your directorate does for the force. So, um, for our listeners, uh, the Reserve Personal Management Directorate, also known as RPMD, uh, kind of, well, it is the newest directorate inside of HRC, right? Um, about 18, 24 months old-ish. Uh, what, what does your director do? And, I, and I'll tee that one up, ma'am, for you to elaborate on first, and Sergeant Major, you know, you can go second, but what does the director do? Okay, so we're gonna kind of split this effort here, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about how uh, RPMD is organized. So we have actually four divisions that consist of our main effort. Three of those divisions do the primary heavy lifting on talent management. So we have, uh, an enlisted management division that does um, that handles mostly the talent management for the AGR enlisted population for the Army Reserve. We also have an officer management division which handles the officer AGR in, uh, talent management and then we have a health services division which not only handles talent management for our health services population the full-time AGRs but also they handle talent management for our TPU population as well. So we have uh, those three divisions as well as an operations readiness division. Our primary focus in RPMD is basically fourfold. It's not just talent management, but we, we do have a heavy focus on our AGR population, our IMA population, 
the IRR population, and our retired reserve. With that, I'll transition over to Sergeant Major, who will talk about the Operations Readiness Division, our largest division in RPMD. Thanks. So, so like uh, General Bellinger said, uh, our Operations and Readiness Division is our largest division within RPMD. Uh, it consists of about half of our personnel. Uh, we have 280 personnel assigned to RPMD about. About 140 of those are assigned to operations and readiness. W within that division, there are five branches and they cover a wide variety of functions. Uh, gray Area Retirements Branch, handling all gray area retirement actions for those gray area retirees that are out there. Uh, distributions and Readiness Branch, uh, who does uh, AGR spaces and distribution requirements for the AGR program. The Mobilizations Branch, handles about 12,000 ADOS orders for reserve component soldiers that are supporting active component functions throughout the year. So that's a huge heavy lift for them. We also have the Personnel Actions Branch, which does DD-214 and 215 corrections for reserve component soldiers. They do retirement points updates, uh, service update calculations, and retirement commendation kits. Also, we have the AGR Assessions Branch, which handles bringing in soldiers into the AGR program onto active duty. Okay, thanks, Sergeant Major. So, I heard uh, you do a lot. We do. Uh, and some keys I would like to point out, uh, and by all means correct me if I misspeak or if I heard incorrectly, is uh, 280 folks that are on your team. And those 280 folks is a, about a 50-50 mix of soldiers and civilians, and they support the entire, almost the entire Army Reserve, and, and like you just said, Sergeant Major, some active component too. So my guess would be over a million folks potentially is what you're supporting in their families. Yes, I would say that's pretty accurate, Master Idell. We do have a, a pretty large contingent in the retired reserve, over 800,000, give or take. 75,000 in the IRR on any given day. And then, of course, our AGR population is managed quite closely to our in-strength objective of 16,511, and our IMA population of approximately 3,000. That's authorized. Now, um, just to give you context, uh, TPUs are about 166,000. We don't really touch uh, a lot of them, but we do touch a, a good portion. And the other thing that's really interesting about RPMD is it's not just Army Reserve. We actually touch things in for the National Guard and the active component as well so our outreach is quite extensive no ma'am that makes sense and for our listeners I just want to if, if y'all can clarify some things because we're going to use a lot of acronyms today it's going to happen right because they we would make <laughs> this podcast 45 minutes just trying to spell them all out but so when we if you could either one of you uh, explain quickly uh, what an AGR is what that is what a TPU is what an IMA is what an IRR is and uh, what a gray retired. Just a quick, and then we'll go deep. My thoughts are we'll talk how you manage AGR, how you assess AGR folks, and then we'll go into uh, gray air retirees and some other programs. But if you can give some overview of what those acronyms mean, I think our listeners, especially our active component folks out there, will have a better understanding. Sure, absolutely. I'd be happy to do that. So AGR stands for Active Guard Reserve, and those are soldiers who are on active duty uh, within the reserve component that help man, train, equip, and administer uh, troop program unit or TPU units. Uh, so they're assigned out in troop program units uh, geographically dispersed from a major installation and servicing those populations of TPU soldiers. So that's what a that's what an AGR soldier does. Um, gray area retiree. 
uh, is a reserve component soldier who has served 20 qualifying years for retirement purposes for non-regular retirement and have received their notification of eligibility for retired pay at age 60. So at that 20-year mark, reserve component soldier can elect to transfer into the retired reserve where they sit as a pool of ready soldiers uh, waiting to achieve that retirement qualifying age of, of age 60 where they can collect their retired pay. And we'll dig deep, deep into gray retirees before the, you know, so the AGR folks, uh, I'll, I'm gonna try to simplify for me, folks that are on active duty, that are in the day-to-day -day operations, every day wearing a uniform, running inside of some organization, from a command to a brigade, battalion, company, troop, battery, they're there every day doing the things of logistics, operations, HR, all the, I'll call it, we'll say life support of an organization. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. You know, we look at our AGRs as a continuity of com command, really. It's uh, any of the, our Army Reserve commands that are out there, whether they're below what we call below the line, below the USARC level of management or above the line. We do have some also in uh, the Pentagon NCR region as well. But these, these AGRs are very key and important in this, the TPU organizations, as the Sergeant Major said, in particular, because 90 to 95% of those TPUs won't even be present, you know, for the majority of the month. So as Sergeant Major said, I mean, a TPU will come in maybe two days a month. And so the rest of that time, you have those AGRs who are the continuity for that organization. So if, the, if they get the call to deploy or mobilize, they're the ones who are going to help bring that organization together and really be there for uh, the assistance of the command. Thanks, ma'am. And we said TPU a couple times and troop program unit. So um, I hear that's the, the, the one weekend a month, two weeks a year, battle assembly, reserve, the, what most probably people would think of as a reserve soldier, right? One weekend a month, two weeks a year. Is that is that accurate? That is absolutely an accurate statement. Gotcha, Sergeant Major. And then so what about uh, the individual ready reserve, also known as the IRR? So the IRR, individual ready reserve, like you say, is a pool of soldiers who are typically first-term soldiers who have served their commitment on either in the regular army on active duty or in a troop program or National Guard unit and have so, so served their contractual obligation. They still have a statutory obligation to serve uh, and once they complete that contractual obligation they transfer into the IRR and they are a ready reserve pool of soldiers who can be accessed in time of war if, if needed. Okay, thanks, and we'll go more into IRR too. So now I think we got the acronyms out of the way and our listeners kind of have a, a better understanding of what we're gonna get into. So I'd like to go deep into how you talent manage, assign you know, the AGR populations and listening officers. So uh, for our, you know, a lot of the Army is, is understands what the, the active component officers are doing with AIM uh, and, and ATAP and the assignment process there in the, in the market. And then uh, the enlisted side has the ASCM, which is a preferencing model for their assignments with four cycles a year. Um, so ma'am, what, uh, what is your team doing in regards to management of uh, the AGR population? So first of all, uh, we have to manage that population very closely in accordance with the CARS manning guidance. The CARS is the Chief Army Reserve 
who is also dual-hatted as the commanding general of United States Army Reserve Command. So, and that is Lieutenant General Daniels. So there is a manning guidance out there that she has that says each one of these units has to be staffed at a certain level from a, from a full-time manning perspective. So all units can't have the same priority of fill, otherwise uh, we would run out of inventory. So we have to spread that inventory out across the formations in a very careful and deliberate manner. We do that with using our talent management models that are in DAPAM 600. And so uh, we, we look at everything very carefully with respect to when soldiers need to go to school versus when they need to be in KD assignments, otherwise known as key development assignments, and, other, and then we look at also their preferences. So how do we get after that when we're not in that marketplace environment? So our officer management division uh, really stepped up to the plate this year and developed a tool known as ARSAP, Army Reserve Soldier Assignment Profile. They basically took what we were doing using a, a, a very manual 4187 process and they they are able to now solicit information from soldiers who are identified to be movers in any given cycle and those soldiers are able to actually give us information that's a little bit more in depth than what we had via a 4187 and then we're able to quickly take all of that information and export it in a way that gives us the ability to do better talent management more quickly. And so that has been a really big uh, pilot this year that's been taking off. And that is just really getting everyone ready for what's gonna come down the line for IPSA when we can be in that marketplace. But anyway, just to give you context, um, talent management is, is not easy. They spend a lot of time doing this and they, they manage cycles twice a year. So very similar to the way the OP, Officer Personnel Management Director, it does here for the active component and the enlisted, well, really we're more modeled after the OP division here with two cycles a year. Our enlisted cycle follows two cycles a year as well. Do you want to expand on that, Sergeant Major? Right, so talent management for, for us as AGR soldiers is largely a manual process where our talent management or career management NCOs take a hard look at DAPAM 625 for the enlisted soldiers and determine what is the next best assignment for, for soldiers as they need to move. Uh, they look at whether or not they need a broadening assignment or, or a KD type job. Uh, and they review the soldier's record, their NCOERs, and they also have conversations with those soldiers out in the field to determine uh, what is the best next assignment for that soldier to, for professional development purposes and also for family, for family purposes as, as well. No, thanks, ma'am, Sergeant Major. So what I hear is a lot of similarities. You know, you, the, the, the DA PAMs are, for the careers, are, are kind of a guiding uh, a career map, right? And then uh, two cycles a year, right? Uh, similar to the active component officer side of the house. And uh, taking in all factors of, you know, where the soldier needs to go based on their career, what's good for their, their family, because they're having dialogue with your talent managers and, uh, and career managers up there in your directorate, uh, and then they're getting assigned. So if I'm an AGR soldier, how long could I, should I expect to stay on stage, time on station, wherever I'm assigned to, right? And then, uh, you know, if there is two cycles a year, when, if so, pending, pending your answer, if I'm going to stay three to five years, five to seven years, uh, when should I engage my, my, uh, my branch or my talent managers to, to look at options? So I would say that anytime you are hitting your 24-month time on station is when you want to start that dialogue with your, with your talent manager because really that's just 
giving them an indication on where you're at from a performance standpoint as well. Some of our jobs are uh, specifically tenured for uh, 24 or 36 months, depending on if it's like a, a joint position. And we want soldiers to cycle out of those positions, especially even key development jobs, to give other soldiers opportunities that, that they also need for their careers. The Manning guidance as it stands today currently says that officers should not exceed 48 months time on station and enlisted 60 months time on station. However, I will say that we are getting away from a time on station model and we're really trying to embrace what the Chief of Staff of the Army is asking us to do in looking at what we say the Army people's strategy is, which is really more of a talent-based um, alignment, which is now taking into consideration truly can a soldier progress in their career in a set location and really give the families more stability? For, for example, Fort Knox is one of those uh, is one of those locations where we could potentially have a soldier jump from one command to the next and have key development positions all along the way that could be very career progressing for an individual. So we don't want to say that a certain time on station is is definitely set in stone. It's a fluid situation depending on where a soldier is located. So we have to remember also that the large majority of AGR soldiers are geographically dispersed away from a major installation. So there may not be opportunities for a soldier to say, for example, in Iowa to be able to move around in the same area and still have those key developmental positions and broadening assignments without PCSing to another location. So that's important to remember. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's unique. There's, there's, there's similarities to the acting component and, and some differences, too, that you all bring up in terms of managing. One of them, and for our listeners to, to understand just a little back history, is that, you know, with the emergence of IFSA coming on board a couple of years ago, your, the AR, Army Reserve, HR systems, they kind of sunsetted because of IFSA coming on board, and, and that's really what forces the, uh, the, these gaps of, you know, manual talent management and the creation of the pilot, ma'am, and for our listeners to understand. And then when IFSA comes on board, that will be you know, everyone's tool to, to do what needs to get done. Is that correct? Yeah, we're excited. I'm excited about IFSA. I really hope it kind of level sets all components for the Army Reserve, whether it's active component, National Guard, or the Army Reserve. You know, the whole idea behind getting on one platform is so that we can actually make things easier for soldiers to move between the different components and get after what the Chief of Staff of the Army wants to get after with permeability. And so we want to give soldiers options. And that's, the, at the end of the day, that's what, you know, we want to make sure that we we retain soldiers and we retain them by making sure they have education about all the different things they can do as part of being in the Army Reserve, the, the National Guard, or the active component. It's whatever really fits their lifestyle. So, ma'am, I think that's a perfect segue. Well, you brought up retention and you know, permeability, but I want to tie it back into your opening statement. You talked about you have a, an accessions mission uh, for the AGR. So, uh, if you could, um, how does a soldier get assessed, you know, to an AGR position? Uh, and I know there's many ways. I can come from a TPU into the AGR, and, but also uh, I could be an active component for person ETSing or coming off my commitment as an officer. Uh, so how, how would one assess into the AGR program? Like a pitch, sales pitch right now to folks to apply and come on board. Sure, so if soldiers go to the HRC website, there is an AGR Accessions page, 
and there's an application there. You can click on that application. It's an online application. Go ahead and fill that out. Uh, we conduct four AGR panels per year. Uh, coming out of that panel, soldiers are OML based on the, how, how their record scored, and then based on the requirements that, that we have within the AGR program, we start at the top of that OML and work our way down throughout the year. So it is possible for both TPU, True Program Unit Soldiers, to apply and for regular Army soldiers to apply, like you said, who are ETSing or coming up on the end of their contractual obligation within the regular Army. Or National Guard for that or matter. Or National Guard for that matter, absolutely. As long as they uh, go into the Army Reserve, they get affiliated with a unit, then from there they can apply and mm -hmm. be picked up. So it really is uh, very dependent on how competitive their file is. That order of merit list is key and important. Um, to the process and it is a working document. We continue to pull off of that OML on a continuous basis, like as the Star Major said, based on the needs of the organizations. Okay, thank you all very much for the clarification of that. And so we kind of talked how you manage the AGR population and how folks can assess. Um, and, and the biggest thing with closing that topic of our discussion is, you know, if you're out there in the field and, and you you, you want to need to assignment, you know, you need to looking at transitioning to an AGR or competing, we'll say, for an AGR position. Go to the HRC website, go to the RPMD subsite uh, of the HRC website. For those folks without CAC access, you can do DS logon and make contact with your team because all the phone numbers and the team boxes are there to, to make contact with your team. So moving into another topic, which is the individual ready reserve. So what role do you and your team play in, in uh, taking care of the IRR population? So a lot of people may not know that the commander of HRC is actually the commander of the IRR as well. And so that is actually one of those things that's uh, kind of interesting. And as a result of the, of the CG here being the commander of the IRR, he has delegated the management of that set of soldiers to me as the DCG. So that actually uh, is quite interesting because below that there is no structure, no formal chain of command structure. So as a matter of fact, yesterday I had a soldier from the IRR email me out of the blue and wanted to know how he could go about updating some of his records. It was actually really uh, kind of delightful. That um, was a very nice message and I was thrilled that they reached out and said, hey, you know, I want to update my information. How great is that? So we really want uh, soldiers to be proactive, but the IRR is a unique population. A lot of times soldiers go into the IRR with no intent of ever being affiliated back into the Army Reserve, but in fact they are a part of the Army Reserve. So we actually are charged with the responsibility of conducting musters every year. These musters are in accordance with a, a headquarters DAO plan, and so we get an, a certain number on, and type of soldiers that, uh, that we are supposed to muster, and we work with the Army Reserve Careers Group here at Fort Knox, who have 13 battalions spread across the entire United States, and they actually help and assist us with bringing IRRs in for personal accountability musters physically, and then those who don't show up physically, we ask that they do musters on, uh, virtually. And with that, the uh, Talent Management Task Force has developed a new IRR app, a mobile app that's going that's in pilot mode right now. There are 25 IRR soldiers who are in who are actually being a part of that pilot, and we're excited to see how that kicks off because that could help us assist in the readiness of that formation. Oh man, that's great news because you uh, alluded to some of the the complexities of trying to uh, 
reach this population of, of, of soldiers um, who probably you know don't have a CAC card, exited the Army in their minds. They still have a contractual obligation a couple of years, three to four or five, something, depending on their contract prior. Um, and, and we're trying to maintain contact with them uh, in, in case of any contingency. So hopefully, you know, they're out there listening. They maintain, you know, and if they will help, I'm sure with this, hopefully, right, uh, when it comes on board. And this app that the Talent Management Task Force, hopefully that gets upscaled and continues to develop and and be better, uh, more effective tools for you all than trying to chase down folks to see if uh, they're, they're, they're out there and updating their records to have that ready pool. Um, so I guess this one, we'll start, maybe we'll start with you. Uh, let's talk gray area retirees. Excellent. Um, you know, and, and so you explained a little bit earlier of what it is, uh, you know, a reserve soldier who, you know, served 20 years in the reserve and, and got their 20-year letter. Uh, and then, you know, submitted for their retirement, and now they're in this period of time waiting until they're age 60. Is that correct? That, that is correct in most cases. So it's important for gray area retiree soldiers to remember to keep their contact information up to date with us here at HRC, and then we can reach out to them six to nine months prior to their reaching age 60 so that they can apply for retired pay and they have to physically submit an application for retired pay. Okay, Sergeant Major, so what what should I do? If I'm a gray retiree and I served from age 22 or 17 or 18 in the Army Reserves till I was 44, 50, and, you know, and now I'm two years away from my 60th birthday or a year away, what, what, what should I do at this point? Do I, I contact your team, the, the team you talked about earlier? Reach out to the gray area retiree team six to nine months prior to turning age 60. Submit your retired pay application. The gray area retiree team will ensure that your retirement points are correct and they will send a packet to DFAS, Defense Finance and Accounting Service, to create your retired pay account so that at age 60, you receive your first retirement check. Ma'am, you look like you have something. Yeah, so, okay, yeah, no, I mean, absolutely true, and everything the Sergeant Major said, you know, it's always uh, tricky when these soldiers go into the retired reserve. First of all, most of them, when they retire, whether they're an officer who reaches their mandatory retirement date or an enlisted soldier who also has uh, a time that, until that they, they can serve, most of them submit their retirement packets and they, and they get approved and they go into that retired reserve pool of people. So that, that uh, submission for pay is extremely important. A lot of soldiers don't know that they have to actually submit to receive their pay. And one of the things um, that's, so it's not automatic, that's number one. And number two is that many of them, especially nowadays, have qualified for reduced age retirement. And so any information that is out there on our website regarding reduced age retirement, soldiers really should read that very carefully. There are a lot of validation documents that are used to substantiate whether a soldier qualifies for that. And so it's very incumbent upon the soldier to kind of have an idea about when they think they are eligible for reduced age retirement and they should also contact the team so that those calculations can be done and they can potentially get their retired pay as early as maybe even 55. So that's like a huge benefit depending on how much qualifying time they have served after 2008. Ma'am, thank you for that. That's great clarification. So, you know, a lot of 
possibilities out there, and you know, for the soldier, listen, you know, the information is out there. It, it's on the, our website, hrc.army.mil, uh, uh, underneath the reserve, uh, the RPMD directorate subside of HRCs. Uh, so go there, check it out, and uh, you know, make contact with your team to, to make sure that all their stuff is in order, or inquire about that possible age reduction uh, retirement. So we could talk RPMD for hours, and in keeping with our our goal of a, a commute length podcast, uh, I want to turn it over to you, ma'am. Uh, we'll start major first, and then, ma'am, any closing comments or anything you want to say to our listeners out there. So, Sergeant Major, the floor is yours. Absolutely. I appreciate it. So, I, I would just leave with your listeners that the Reserve Personnel Management Directorate is a customer service-based organization. We are here to serve the soldiers of the Army Reserve, the National Guard, and the regular Army. If there are questions about the Army Reserve or the Reserve components in general, feel free to reach out to us, whether you are an AGR soldier, a TPU soldier, National Guard, or even a regular Army soldier. As I go out and traveled the country and talked to command sergeants major and sergeants major, I relay to them what the Reserve Personnel Management Directorate does and can do for them. Uh, even in the regular Army, there, there is some connection to the Army Reserve and the Reserve components. Oh, thanks, Sergeant Major. Ma'am? So I just want to say in closing that uh, first of all, as the Sergeant Major said, we have a first-class organization and I couldn't be more proud of the people that work in RPMD that are there to help service our customers. They do a top-notch job. And uh, this has been an incredible journey. As it comes to a close for me and I move on to another assignment, I would just like to say I welcome Brigadier General Babcock in as the new DCG slash director of RPMD. and. I know that the RPMD will continue to give her that first-class support that they've given me for the last year and the Sergeant Major. So thanks again for everything. Thanks, ma'am. Well, Brigadier General Bellinger, Sergeant Major Coop, thanks for taking the time out of your very busy day uh, managing and, 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 and engaging the Army Reserve in many HR functions, as you just mentioned, uh, and to educate us about what your directorate does and its importance to the entire Army. Uh, for our audience out there, if you have any additional questions, we mentioned the website multiple times. It's www.hrc.army.mil, or you can call 1-888-276-9472 and ask any questions there uh, at that number. If you like this podcast uh, and you want to follow us on DVIDs, Delta, Victor, India, Delta, Sierra, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all of them, they're out there. Uh, and we thank you for your time. I'm Master Sergeant Glenn Riddell, and I hope you come back for our next episode of Your Personnel File. Your Personnel File is a monthly podcast brought to you by Army Human Resources Command Public Affairs, located at Fort Knox, Kentucky. This episode was produced by Mrs. Shatara Reese. It was edited by Glenn Schrock. The production was supported by the entire HRC Public Affairs and Audiovisual team.